0: Because because uh, one of my neighbors came out and said, I've been praying for you that you don't fall off that ladder, and I was like, thank you, keep praying because my lights aren't up yet, um, but I, my son got on the top of my roof because that's why I had a son, so he could uh, get up there and I don't have to, but uh, that's one of the reasons, also to mow, that was good too, but, um, uh, but you know when I, uh, our, our traditions are starting, we have a lot of family traditions at Christmas time, and and, uh, and I've heard a lot of good traditions, we have some good ones, but one of the traditions I've heard about that I've never had the patience for was uh, those families that, that put puzzles together over the holidays. Any of you puzzle people that you put them, like put them out on the table and, and like the big thousand piece puzzles and then they all come together? Yeah, that's never worked at our house because we've just not had the patience for it. But, but that's kind of a cool thing and as you get those pieces that come together and then all of a sudden the picture starts to come into view. Well, well in in some ways we're going to embrace that over the Christmas season and we're starting today as we as we kind of put this the puzzle pieces together as the Messiah came into the world and this is important for us as Christians as followers of Christ to, to, to recognize the the magnificence of, of Christmas uh, and, and I pray that that's something that we embrace Uh You know, the the foundation for our series is in Galatians chapter chapter 4. Turn with me real quick. That's not our main text for today, but it's kind of the the diving board, if you will, for, for our entire Christmas season. Now, when you think about the person of Jesus, without a doubt, he was the focal point of human history. And that moment when, when God entered the world, God became flesh, that was, that was the focal point. And, 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 you know, for us in 2018, we look back on that moment as, a, as, as the most significant moment in our lives because Jesus went to the, he was born miraculously. He, he walked the earth and, and people looked at him and said, man, you are You've got to be from God. In fact, he said, I am God with skin on. He, he, he pointed that out. And then, and then he went to the cross, and he died. But, but then he rose from the dead, conquered the, the thing that we fear the most. Um, you know, I got word yesterday, my aunt, my dad's sister passed away suddenly. You know, in our family, we're going to have a funeral this week. But but Jesus, the miracle of Jesus is he died, but he conquered the grave, so it changes our view, our perspective of death, because Jesus defeated death. And so, without a doubt, Jesus is the focal point of human history. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, look at this verse. Paul's writing to the Galatian Christians and we've looked at this in the book of Acts how, how when, when, when Paul began the church at Galatia, he was used by the Lord, he writes to them in this letter, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, now we're gonna come to this in, a, in about four weeks, uh, this passage of Scripture. But it's the diving board that we're utilizing, that, that this phrase, the fullness of time, it's an interesting phrase. It's one Greek word called pleroma, which, which is a, a word that really means, uh, it puts an emphasis on completeness. It brings the idea of it's a full measure. It's, a, it's, a, it's totality. That's the idea that, that, that Paul writes this moment in history was was complete. It was the fullness of time. God sent his son, born of a woman. And and, and basically, when you look at the point of Jesus, it's like all the puzzle pieces are coming together in the person of Jesus. And, And that's why we worship him. That's why we surrender to him and look to him and and. And, and you know, I I pray that over the next several weeks we'll really be amazed as these pieces come together. Now, if you have your now in your Bibles, I want you to turn to our text today. It's in First Peter, chapter one. And this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and it's going to, it's going to be the first piece of these puzzle that, that as, we, as we kind of put this fullness of time together, as we understand that, that it was a perfect time for, for Jesus to come. Now now before we get into First Peter 1, we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. Let me give you a little background of First Peter. Peter, the apostle, is writing. This is the one who denied Christ, who walked with Jesus. He was a disciple. He was very important in, in the history of the church. And, um, and Peter is writing this, this book. And he's writing it to believers who are scattered all over Asia. And, and they're facing persecution. They're really struggling. They're dying. They're, they're dying. Um, and, and if you know about oppression and, a pers- and persecution, the natural response to that is for you to look down, downward, downcast, and Peter's trying to encourage them, saying, hey, I want you to understand this salvation, That was given to you. And and he's inspiring them. And in fact, already in the first 12 verses of of 1 Peter, he he points to this salvation three times. Like look at verse 5. He says, Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So he's saying, look, this salvation, I want you to see the magnificence of salvation. And really, that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle when it comes to the, the coming of Christ into the world. And, and look at verse 9. He says, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That, that, the, you know, the greatest gift that we have, the greatest gift we know is the salvation of our souls. You know, we pray for physical healing. We pray for, I mean, I did that today. There's there's folks in our church who are struggling physically, and we, we pray for that. I mean, we've stopped and prayed twice today for those that are struggling physically. But you know, the greatest needs in our life are not physical. And we forget that sometimes. The greatest needs in our lives are, are spiritual. That's the greatest need. Because the reality is, no matter at some point, this body is going to break down. I already feel it. I'm 47, and things... I feel it. Anybody with me on that? Feeling the body breaking down? You know, my Paul, Paul Purefoy is my father-in-law, and he's preaching today at Calvary, and uh, this passage, and, and he said, one of the things I'm thankful for uh, over at the Thanksgiving table, because I'm thankful for that my body is, uh, I feel my pain in my body, because it reminds me that heaven is in my future. I thought, what, that's wisdom right there. We, we, we hang on to this life too much. First, Peter is, Peter's pointing to these Christians that are suffering, that are facing difficulty, that, that, look, salvation is a great gift. So let's catch that this Christmas. And let's not get into the, just the black, let's not make this about Black Friday, or what, uh, uh, what's the Thursday, meme, Snapchat, Tuesday I don't know I can't keep up Um, but the miracle of Christmas is salvation has come to us now Peter writes something that's so cool and that's what I want to look at today would you stand with me let's look at first Peter chapter 1 10 through 12 and he says concerning this salvation Now, I'm reading out of the NIV because this is how I memorized it. But concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the things that have now been told to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find the times and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven even angels long to look into these things and this is the word of the Lord Thank you. you Maybe seated. Now this is really cool. Now, so let's 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 look at this huge puzzle piece. Um, now, this salvation that has come to us—that's the miracle of Christmas. That 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 salvation, Emmanuel, God with us. Salvation came to us. It's the uniqueness of Christianity. It's what makes Christianity unique from every other. Religion in the world, because every other religion in the world is is that we try to get to God, but but Christianity is is different. It's God came to us. So it's the only one where God came to us. Why? Because we can't get to heaven on our own. And and you know, salvation. The word salvation is used four hundred times in the in the New Testament, and and sometimes it means just like say from some event but but most of the time it's referring to the salvation of our souls now verse 10 and 11 Peter writes concerning the salvation look back at this these prophets they spoke of the grace that was to come to you okay the, the the prophets spoke about these things and what did they do they searched intently and with the greatest care And they were trying to look at the times and the circumstances. And so these prophets, imagine these prophets wrestling over these messages from God. And they're looking at the times, they're looking at the circumstances, and and, and what's going on is the spirit of Christ in them was pointing them to these sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Now what's what's really cool? Peter is telling them how miraculous salvation is. Now, now I want you to see the, these these prophets. Who were they? They were spokesmen of God. They were spokesmen for God, and, and they're almost like field reps that they're they're representing God to the world, and they're saying, "Hey, this is a message from God that the world needs to understand because God has revealed Himself to us. We couldn't know God without Him revealing that." his will, his, his person to us. So that's how we come to know God. And, and these prophets revealed this to them. So I want you to think of them like archers. And, 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 and Isaiah wasn't like, imagine Isaiah been this prophetic archer and he is shooting this word from God into the air. God gave me this word and I'm gonna shoot it. Daniel, this prophetic archer, he's shooting this truth about God into the air. You, you have Zechariah. He's this archer. He's shooting this truth into the air, this revelation of God. David, this archer, he's shooting this truth into the air. And all these arrows are flying through history at different times. And what do they do? They all end up landing on one person, Jesus. It's amazing. It's miraculous. And each one of them were given specific revelations. Now, now in the scriptures, I want, you to see that, I want you to know this. There are 330 predictions of the Messiah made by the prophets in the Old Testament over a 1,600-year period. So I want you to think about that. Over 1,600 years, 330 times these prophets speak this word, shoot this prophetic arrow in the air. And it lands on Jesus. Now, let me give you a couple. I'm just going to throw some out. We're going to look at three intently today. But, but Micah 5.2 says he would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49.10. His ministry would begin in Galilee, Isaiah 9.1. He would be one who would work miracles, Isaiah 35.5 and 6. He would enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Zechariah nine. Can you imagine Zechariah going, okay, a donkey. Okay, why not a horse? That'd be better, wouldn't it? Um, but a donkey. Um, uh, he would be betrayed by a friend, Psalm 149, excuse me, one nine. He would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11.12. His hands and feet would be pierced, Psalms 22.16. He would be crucified between two thieves, Isaiah 53.12. Can you imagine Isaiah going, He's going to be crucified between two thieves, but he shot it in the air. And they predicted he would be buried in a rich man's tomb, Isaiah 53, 9. They predicted he would rise from the dead, Psalm sixteen ten. What's interesting is, is Jesus came in this miraculous way, and the prophets, they were working, and they were trying to understand these things to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. But verse 11 says, when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So so what's interesting is these prophets are putting together this puzzle piece. Now, because it would take us probably several years to unpack all 330 prophecies, um, I do want to point out, remember when Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus? Remember that? Uh, I hope. Uh, I wish we had the full uh, um, the full um, transcript of that moment, because Jesus is walking. He had just he had risen from the dead, and these disciples are on the road to Emmaus. And it's recorded in Luke 24. In Luke 24:27, it says what Jesus did, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them in in the scriptures the things concerning himself. Can you imagine that moment? Of listening to Jesus start from Moses and go through all the prophets saying, hey, fellas, that that was me. Cool, huh? And, And this is why, and this is important to say today, this is why we study the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is why we can't, unhitch these two together. Because the the Old Testament gives us background for the New Testament. If we just had the New Testament, we'd have all these arrows going, well, how'd these all get here? Huh, we just have these arrows here. But the Old Testament's where these arrows were shot. And and one scholar put it this way, the New Testament is contained the New Testament is the old contained. The old is the new explained. And so we, we see it in, in, the new Test, in the Old Testament. This is why we can't unhitch these two. And that's important to say because that's a message that's out there in our culture. But point number one is this, and let's look at three of these, of these arrows. The prophets predicted, Jesus was predicted to be the woman's seed crushing Satan completely the, the prophets predicted this Moses wrote this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 it's on the screen behind me I think we had some technology problems but I think they got it worked out but um Genesis 3:14 and 15 The Lord said to the serpent, "Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring; he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel." So from the very beginning in Genesis, Moses writes that Satan's power is going to be crushed completely. And do you know that's happened? That that happened because we saw Galatians 4.4, this verse that's the diving board for our series this Christmas, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman. It says in Genesis 3 that out of the woman's seed, Satan will be crushed. And folks, history has proven that in this moment in the first century, when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, and He was born of a woman. That's a miracle. the The virgin birth is is a a was a miraculous event, and and I'll tell you, it's it's it was crazy. But in Genesis 3 what, what do we see we see Jesus exposing Satan's tactics. His tactics have been exposed. From the very beginning God was faithful to expose the enemy's tactics in our lives. He was going to separate us. He was going to uh, and God said, "Look, you're going to be crushed. I'm cr- Satan, you're crushed." Because we we see the the way Satan Jesus defeated Satan. It wasn't physical. And this is why I pray you recognize the greatest need in your life is not physical. It's spiritual. The greatest lessons our children need to know are not physical. It's spiritual. Physical training is of some value, Paul said to Timothy. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for this life and the life to come. Let's not forget that. Let's not just focus on the physical. And let's not go through a Christmas season where we just focus on the physical. Um, Jesus exposed Satan's tactics. And Jesus also, in, this, in Genesis 3, he defines Satan's boundaries. He says, I'm going to put enmity, I'm going to put separation between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And, and he's going to bruise your head, and, you, and, and he, he'll crush your head, and you'll bruise his heel. You, you, do you know what's interesting about Satan and his tactics? Do you know that Satan and his demons always submit to God? I mean, always. We kind of—I mean, God bless our our charismatic brother Carmen. Who remember the Sunday? Remember Carmen? Remember he's from Tulsa. Um, but he wrote the song "Sundays on the Way," where where like, oh, Jesus is down, and Satan say, oh, he's gonna—is Jesus gonna make it? It's not a battle like that. When God shows up, Satan sits down. The Bible says when we submit to God, what does Satan do? He flees from us. So, So what's interesting about Satan and his power, I mean, God limited Satan's power. Satan can only do what God allows him to do. Isn't that interesting? Satan can't come at us unless God allows him to. And we see it in Genesis 3. What, what I also love about what God did in, as, as this woman's seed came to fruition, that, that Jesus destroyed Satan's grip. Aren't you grateful that Satan has no grip on us? And That's why I love what Jesus said in, in John or in, in John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Isn't it amazing that Satan cannot snatch you away from the Lord. Satan has been limited, and and this is important to understand. The prophets said this, and it came to pass when the fullness of time had come. Second prediction, second prophetic utterance, point number two is this. It was predicted that Jesus would enter the world from the womb of a virgin. Okay, so the virgin birth. Now, we live in this, this society that is so uh, technologically advanced. It's our new uh, Tower of Babel, if you will. We, we love our advancement, our, our sophistication. But, and, and people try to explain the virgin birth, but we've got to recognize the virgin birth was a miracle. It's out, a miracle is something that happens outside of normal processes. And, and Isaiah, 700 years prior to Jesus coming, said this. And can you imagine Isaiah getting this word? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? It means God with us. And so this this prophetic arrow went up that, hey, this virgin is going to give birth. And that's a miracle. Now, we see it in Matthew one eighteen. This came to pass. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. Now, this is important, I think. This is an important prophecy that we need to understand this Christmas Because sin is so devastating, God had to to handle it personally. Do you know that our sin is so bad? Our own struggle with our own way, our own self, God had to handle it himself. This is why it's a miracle that God came to us. This is why it's a miracle that, this is why Christianity is unique. We needed a savior. We cannot save ourselves. Sin is so bad in our lives. And we live in this world that is convincing us that sin is okay. That being lost is okay. It's not. It's devastating. Sin is so devastating a miracle was required. Your sin, my sin is so devastating it required a miracle for restoration. That was this prophetic arrow that went up. Point number three is this. The, the prophet said Jesus would start in Bethlehem and overcome the cross. Micah 5.2 says this, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Micah gets this, this word from God that out of Bethlehem? I mean, that'd be like out of Godibo or something like that. They're like, why Bethlehem? You know where Godibo is? I preached in Godibo one time. The Godibo Baptist Church. I think it's one of the oldest churches in the world. There were about seven people there. And, um, but, but out of Bethlehem. Can you imagine Micah going, surely we can do better than Bethlehem? God, and God says, write it, write it down. Okay, okay, Bethlehem. Out of Bethlehem it comes. And then Isaiah gets this word. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Can you imagine Isaiah going, okay. God, you're, God you are going to be pierced for our transgressions. Okay. he writes, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, now look what Peter says. Look back at verse 12 with me. These prophets that wrote these things down says it was revealed to them they were not serving themselves. Who are they serving? You and me. They were serving us. Because they were saying, look, there's going to be people in coming generations that need to know this. They were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you, Then, then, what's going to happen? There's going to be some that are going to preach the gospel to you. People will be called to share the gospel to you. And it would come by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then Peter writes, this is so big. This is so amazing that even angels long to look into these things. You see, um, there's a really cool verse, Matthew 13, 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So so let's fast forward to 2018 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the 930 service, at First Baptist Owasso. These prophets were serving us. They spoke of these things that we now know. And God has sent people all through history and they preach the gospel to us. And and all of us, we could trace, all of us that know Christ as our Savior, do you know that we could trace our spiritual lineage all the way back to these disciples who kept sharing the gospel with people? And... And here's what's amazing: grace was offered to us. And the Holy Spirit came to live in us. And and, and here's the thing: the combination of the gospel message and the power of the Holy Spirit is, is a combination that still works today. Have you ever heard, have you heard of John Chow? Have you heard that name? John Chow. John Chow was killed on November 16th, 2018. And in the clutter of all the news and all the political discourse and all the things going on, it's buried somewhere. And and let me tell you about John Chow. John Chow is a missionary. And there's a, there's a people group in the Bay of Bengal. Bengal. And, and the, the country of India is protecting them because they've never heard the gospel. They're, they're an isolated people group. And John Chow was a missionary working to go share the gospel with them. He'd been working for the last three years sharing the gospel with them. And, and, and on November 16th, uh, He went for the second time to make contact with them. The first time he made contact with them, they shot at him with a bow and arrow. And he was wounded when an, uh, an arrow pierced his Bible. And he was wounded. And he got away. But he went back. I don't know about you, but if somebody's shooting an arrow and my Bible saves me, I'd be like, "Woo, God, i pray for him. But I'm out. But he goes back. He took all these gifts with him. And, they, and he, he was killed by them, sharing the gospel with them. And you know that, that there's, there's a lot of chatter about giving him a Darwin Award. You know the Darwin Award? It's the, the people that die doing things that are stupid. And there are a lot of people that, that are saying, yeah, John Chow, boy, that guy, what an idiot. Well, why should he impose his beliefs on this people group? Why didn't he just, what an arrogant person to think that he should go tell them about Jesus. Um, problem is, we need more John Chow's. Um, because my, my concern is that we get into christmas and we go through the motions. Ah yeah, Jesus came. Okay, whatever. Yeah, okay. But it doesn't move us. The Quigleys are over here and I didn't sorry, uh, can I use you as an example real quick? Um, I usually ask beforehand, but uh, a year and a, a year and a half ago your house burned down, was it? A year and a half ago, somewhere. They had a fire. They live in my neighborhood. Their house was on fire, and they got out safely, and God helped them, and it was an awesome story, but, but imagine your neighbor's house is on fire, and you see it, and it's burning, and, and you think, wow, I, I need to go tell them, but oh, what if I offend them? Oh, I don't want to wake them up. What if they're in their pajamas? Boy, they'd be so embarrassed. What if I get, like, soot on my clothes? Oh, my goodness, that's terrible. I couldn't do that. Plus, isn't that the fireman's job, not my job? I mean, we hear that and think, it's yeah, that's, that's your neighbor, their house is on fire, go bang on their door, right? Can you imagine us standing before God? And saying, oh, Lord, I, man, I, I didn't want to offend anybody with telling them about you. I mean, what if I would have offended somebody? What if I would have hurt their feelings? You see, Jesus entered human history. God came here. To rescue us. And, and it's why the world has to know about Jesus. It's why we can't, like, mildly or, or half heartedly follow Christ. When the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son born of a woman, born under the law, and it was perfectly predicted. And these prophets, all through history, said, I've got a little piece of that. And we get to see this puzzle almost come together. Now, I say almost because there's still a few pieces left. And we're watching it unfold in our eyes, right before our eyes. And I want you to know there's going to be a day that this time of grace runs out and Jesus returns. And it's why the world needs to know about Jesus. It's why we must live with a real sense of urgency because a Savior came. Do you know him? Do you see him? Would you follow him?